Welcome to the Saints Church Highlands podcast. We hope that this message encourages and guides you to connect with God this week. You know, I was, uh, I've got a lot of thoughts after worship there. Um, one of the things that just came to my mind, um, and this is actually what I love about Highlands, is that in some ways, Highlands is, is a lab. And um, hopefully Josh's pedal board's okay. But uh, it's, it's a lab because we just get to, on a smaller scale, experience uh, the intimate approach into the presence of Jesus. And for a lot of us, our, our, our journey has been in larger contexts and big church settings, and there's something different about a smaller gathering. There's something special and unique about it, but I think in, in the sense of the lab that we can actually break down some of the parts and the pieces and understand what it is we're doing because I think we can go on the journey. Uh, I'm not going to say I think. I believe we can go on the journey, and we can, we can get caught up in doing things and behaviors and picking up traits and things that we see others do or that, that, that are expected of us in certain environments and not fully understand what it is that we're doing. Uh, like raising our hands. Why do we, why do we raise hands? Because all, all through Scripture it talks about raising holy hands and it's a sign of surrender. We don't just raise hands because we're, oh, caught up in the vibes of the moment. Uh, though it, it may look like, to an outsider, it may look like the same thing that happens at a concert that you go to where people just raise their hands and there's, oh, I'm just into the vibes and the music. Actually, what I believe is happening is that their body is responding to the presence of God and they don't actually understand what they're doing. Because as, as creation, we're hardwired to worship. Humanity is hardwired to engage with God through music. And so it's like, I'm just going to throw my hands up because I feel free. You don't feel free. You are feeling or experiencing just a taste of God. And you're like, I don't know if this works with my theology because what if the music isn't appropriate? Um, Well, we live in a thing called common grace. There's this theological concept called common grace. Um, And it's common grace that, that we that we're living in that allows us to breathe air. It's the grace of God. He put breath in our lungs and we all get to breathe it, whether or not we're doing appropriate things or not. We all function in common grace. And I think in those moments, this is just my theory, my theory is that in some of those moments, people that do not follow Jesus just get the smallest taste of what we're hardwired for. And it's just the soul opening up. Now, what I was actually thinking about, I wasn't even thinking about that, that just came out. But what I was... Uh, I'm going to quote Judah Smith here. Judah Smith, uh, he's like, man, I love to preach because I, I love to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Highlands on a Sunday night. Um, so one thing I think that is maybe underrated is when you get into worship, um, we are very attuned to singing along, and singing along is good. Uh, worship lyrics, songs give us language. They give us language for our faith. It gives us language for our journey. It helps us understand things. Like if you think about the second song that we sang, Awake My Soul, it actually helps us understand prayer in a whole different way. Um, you know, uh, what's the line when, uh, when I sing, when I say praise, he hears faith? 
something when I, anyways, uh, it, it's, it's, it's changing my life, clearly, but it's, uh, this worship gives us language, but what um, is really, really interesting is music is not so much about the notes that are being played as it is the space between the notes being played and the tension that is being built. Uh, it's just tension and release. That, that's what music essentially is. That's what dynamics is in music. Uh, that's why it gets louder and softer and it changes, and that's why there's minor chords because it's all built, uh, it all is intended to build tension to resolve uh, to the major and resolve to the one, to bring it all back, to bring it all back to one. Um, with, with worship, there is, um, it's not so much about the lyrics being sung as it is about what's happening in between, in the moments in between. And if you want to go to the next level in worship, if you want worship to go to the next level for you, not talking about on the corporate scale, but for you, is learn how to respond from your heart in the in-between. You know, when someone says, sing a song out, and everyone goes, I'll just wait to the next moment, you know. Um, let's learn to express and put words to the things that are in our heart. You know, my friend Sammy spoke at Glory Hills this morning. He said, uh, he didn't say this this morning, he just said this in general, that, that faith is voice activated. And I think that's true. I think there's something about getting what's in our hearts out. And in worship, if we can verbally begin to express, and I want to say what's underrated is taking an attribute of God and focusing on it. And even if you have to say, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. He's worthy. It's like, why do you just babble on? I'm not babbling on. I'm identifying an attribute that is speaking to me. And then I'm just going to speak it out and I'm going to bring my heart and my mind into alignment with this thought that he is worthy, he is worthy. He, I'm going to say it until I believe it. And I think those things are underrated. And even it's just like, God, I thank you. And if I don't know what to say, I say thank you in his presence. If I don't know what to say, I just say thank you. There's nothing wrong with just saying the same thing over and over and over again, singing it out, just saying it a million times over and over again because it's true and it's real and he doesn't ever grow tired of hearing it. And then I was, I had a thought of the direction we were going tonight and then we started singing all, all authority belongs to you and, and, I, and I just begin to think to myself, and this is, this is my pondering for tonight. This is what we're wrestling with. What if we actually live like that? So we've been talking about uh, being a disciple, the cost of a disciple. Luke 14 says, you know, uh, someone who's building a house, do they not count the cost before they start building it? Do they not know that they can afford it? In Luke 14, it goes on it later and it says, does a king, before he goes out to war against a mighty adversary, count his 10,000 versus their 20,000 and go, oh man. And when that, that army is a long ways off, does he not send out an emissary to come to terms with peace? Do we not count the cost? So counting the cost uh, to be a disciple to follow Jesus. Jesus calls us to uh, pick up our, our, our cross and follow him. To lay our whole life down. To lay it at his feet. To just, just put it at his feet and say, Jesus, I'm following you with every, heart, uh, every part of my life. Every part of, of who I am. My, my personality. It comes under your authority. If there's something under, out of alignment, bring it back into alignment. Like every piece of me. How we generally live is, God, uh, I'm going to give you me, and that's an incredible gift. And if you could just kind of come alongside and come around and maybe lead me, guide me, and direct me, but I don't want to lose me in you. 
because you made me so good. And he's like, no, no, how about you just give me all of you because I made you so good and then watch what I can do. And authority is an interesting thing. We talk about just one word. Under, things change under your authority. And it's illustrated in Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, uh, and, and he was just talking about building a, a solid rock, building your life on the solid rock. So, so think about this for a moment. Jesus is teaching, and he says uh, in, in Luke 6, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, then follows it. It's a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So this is the context of the moment. Jesus just finished saying this in verse 1, Luke 7, verse 1. When Jesus finished saying all of that to the people, he returned to Capernaum. And this moment then illustrates exactly what he was just talking about. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer or a centurion was sick and near death. Now, even that right there is, a, is actually a bit of a countercultural saying, because remember, Romans were viewed as oppressors. That's who they were. They were literally oppressing um, the people. And they took over their land. They were oppressing them. And they were known for being very harsh. So the fact that this Roman centurion, uh, an officer of a, of a high regard, um, who was respected, and we'll get to that in a moment, respected by Jewish elders, that's incredible, but that he actually highly valued a slave, and maybe not just for his work, said something about the man. That time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. This must be an incredible guy if, if the people that you're in charge of, that you're oppressing, are begging Jesus on your behalf. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So he built a place where Jesus, uh, God could be worshipped and the, and the scripture could be taught. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I can't even, I can't even, don't come, don't come here, Jesus. Don't come here. I'm not worthy for you to come here. He says something about his heart condition. I'm not worthy for you to enter this house. I know this because I am under what? Authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now that was an insult to everybody listening. <laughs> because your oppressor has more faith than you do. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Wow. 
Imagine what life might look like if we truly lived and believed in the authority of Jesus Christ. Just think about it for a moment. This guy goes, listen, I understand how the world works. So this is actually, this echoes um, Paul in 1 Corinthians where he says, you know, first in the, in the physical, then, uh, sorry, first in the natural, then in the spiritual. So we understand uh, the spiritual world by the things that we see in the natural world, and that gives us some context, and that helps us understand how the spiritual realm is existing. And that's exactly what this Roman officer just applied. He applied first in the natural, then in the spiritual. He said, listen, I understand that people listen to me. They follow my orders. They follow my direction. If I say go, they go. If I say come, they come. I understand what it is to be under authority. So he understands what it is to be under authority. And then he understood who was the ultimate authority in that moment. He recognized Jesus Christ to be the ultimate authority over everything, including sickness and death. That's the level of authority that he saw Jesus in. I don't know what level of authority that you see Jesus at. We understand him as Savior, so he's definitely got authority there, that he saved me from my past. But do we leave him in the past? Is he currently my Savior today? Does he have authority over my current sins and my struggles and my wrestles and my my cycles and my brokenness? Or do I just think of Jesus as Savior past only, or is he Savior present future? What degree of authority do I confer upon him? Do I see him as having authority over small things, or do I see him as authority having, having authority over big things? Sometimes we're happy to give Jesus authority over big things, but we're really hesitant to give him authority over small things. And that's really counterintuitive because you'd think that it would be easier the other way around, except we give him, uh, or we, we give the perception that he has authority over big things because we feel like they're out of our control anyways. But then we hold on to our own control and we don't give them authority over the small things because we just think we should handle it. And yet in Psalm 37, 23, 24, it says that he delights in the detail of in the details of our lives. Uh, that he knows, you know, in Luke it says he knows every hair that's on our heads. So he cares about the smallest things, he cares about the smallest details. And I would suggest that if we could learn to let go of the small things and put him in authority over the small things, that the medium, mid-sized, large-sized things might um, come into alignment a little bit more under his authority because we don't despise the days of small beginnings. And we understand that line upon line, precept upon precept, he's teaching us, he's developing us, that as we grow faith, our trust capacity grows. When, you have, when you're starting a relationship with somebody, uh, you don't know if you can trust them or not. And so you kind of go through this, this kind of number of like emotions. Like you go to meet somewhere and, and okay, I'm going to invite Kevin out to go meet somewhere and I'm going to see if I can count on him to show up. And then he shows up, and then we have a good time, and then I'm going to do it again, and then I'm going to go to his place, and he's going to come to my place, and then I'm going to ask him to do something to help me out, and that's going to, and if he can do that, and if he can come through, now it's not so like this is so seems so calculated, but but that's actually what we do with everybody. This is how we establish trust. 
right? We establish trust by going through patterns and motions where we go, I can trust you with this, I can trust you with this, and then it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Like, I don't know for you, uh, Kevin and, and Melissa, like, what's it, what would it take for you to trust somebody with your dog? Probably a lot. Now, if I was a dog owner, I would give it to anyone. But I'm not a dog owner, but you are, and you love that animal. And so it's going to take a lot for someone to prove that they can take care of them the way that, they, that you do and that feed the right the way, and, like, you can do all the things. Like, it, it's a huge, like, that's a piece of your heart. Same thing with your kids. If you have a kid, it's like, man, it takes a lot for me to trust my kid with somebody, right? Um, the same thing's true with Jesus, we have a relationship with Jesus. Like if we strip it all the way back, what we're talking about is a relationship with the creator of the universe. And, he, and, and we can trust him. We can trust him because he made it all and he sustains it all. That's not our issue. We have no problem believing that we can breathe air tomorrow, even though that's, that's actually a ridiculously large thing um, for somebody to manage and to be in control of. But I, I can, because I can, it's so big, I just, it just happens and it just exists, but it all happens because... Of him, I can live and move and breathe, have my breath in my, my lungs. The question is, do I, am I under authority? Do I believe in his authority? How much authority have I given him in my life? In my present circumstance, how many of my problems have to do with me having things under my authority instead of under his authority? And in the midst of this present difficulty, how much of the answer has got to do with me trusting his authority instead of me trying to make it happen? Oh, I can fix that, said every husband ever. This Roman officer understood power of authority power of a chain of command, the power of the spoken word, right? Just one word. He says, don't come. Just say the word. And did you notice in verse 10, and when the officer's friends returned to the house, they found the slave completely healed. So this already happened. It happened in real time. It wasn't delayed. It was real time. Jesus met him where he was at in real time. And it's all happening through intermediaries, which is wild. So if we think about this in spiritual terms, in our personal relationship with Jesus, how much more faith should I have because I don't have to deal through an intermediary? I don't have to tell Kevin to go ask Jesus if he can help me with my problem. If you want to do that in your Christian faith, you just go to the Catholic Church. <laughs> but that's not what we believe. We believe that you have access directly to the creator of the universe, to Jesus Christ, so you can have a personal relationship with him. And if you have a personal relationship with him, you don't have to go through intermediaries. So why is it? Why is it that we struggle so much to hear, listen, understand the word of God for ourselves and would rather hear it from somebody else? Does that say something about him? Does that say something about me? 
I'm just asking questions tonight more than, more than anything else. But these, like, so under his authority, things change. Under one command, under one sound of his voice. So then, okay, take it one step further. If we're going to get really simple, like, I think we make things complicated. So what if we made it really, really simple? So then, if that's true, just one word from God can change everything. Then why is it hard to read the Bible every day? I've been doing a lot of counseling the last six weeks, and I can tell you that like the number one solution is do you, and there's a question that I ask is, do you read your Bible and pray every day? Sounds like Hillsong United 2005. All day, all day. It's a song. Uh, and the verse is, I will read my Bible and pray. I will follow you all day. And yet we don't do this. <laughs> I can tell you the number one gap that is experienced when people are going through a difficulty and they end up feeling like they need to talk to somebody like me is that they're actually not talking to God himself. And so our length of time separated from the presence of God leads to the need to find an intermediary to give us some advice and some direction. And there's nothing wrong with talking to a pastor or talking to a friend. But the question is, have I talked to Jesus about this? And what does he have to say about it? And, and, and then, then I'm just going to tell you what happened. The conversation generally goes, well, no, I can't even hear him speak to me right now. Mm, man, that sucks. Yeah, that's hard. And then it's like, yeah, life, it's hard. And I'm like, here's the crazy part. He can speak to you every day because he already wrote it down. And if you don't know what his voice sounds like, read the red ones. Because it's actually his voice. Right? And it's like, hold on. You're telling me that most of my problems that are unrelated to most of what seems like it's in here are solved by me reading these words. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That if, if you don't read this every day, you should consider starting immediately. And by consider, do it now. <laughs> Under authority. The authority of Jesus Christ. Because things, things change. And Because what did he say just before the, in this moment? He says, I can show you what somebody's life looks like when they build on a firm foundation. What is the firm foundation? His word is the firm foundation. There, if you build your life on the firm foundation, it's strong, it's stable. It can withstand the storms. It doesn't say there won't be storms. It says actually guaranteed storms. But there's a difference. You can hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world. Back to our authority question. When the storms come, am I confident in the foundation? And I, am I confident that Jesus can carry me and sustain me through? I would suggest that I would have a greater confidence if I went back to the really small things and said, Jesus, I believe that this small thing is under your authority. And I'm going to learn to trust you in the really small thing, in the really small step, 
and the really like tiny thing. And as I trust you in the tiny thing, I'm going to go to like the extra small thing. And after the extra small thing, it's going to be the small thing. And then, then the small and then the medium and then the medium. And then it's going to go like a little bit bigger, you know, it's medium. All of Kevin's shirts. Anyways. <laughs> So then my confidence is connected to how much authority Jesus has in my life and my capacity to trust him in the small things increases my capacity to trust him when the big things come. So that when the big thing comes, I go, you were faithful with that and with that and with that. Throw back to David when Saul is trying to force fit some armor upon him And he goes, listen, when the bear came, I handled it. Schmedium thing. When the lion came, large thing. I handled it. Goliath comes. Who does this guy think he is? I don't know about you. I think if it was me and if I was David, just hypothetically, I think I'd be more afraid of a lion than I would be of a really tall guy. I don't know, lions seem scarier. The, the teeth are larger, you know? Goliath's teeth were fine. <laughs> the lion's teeth, very large. Um, and so David goes, I, listen, I don't know what you're... So, David was ridiculous. I don't know what you're so concerned about. This is the tools that God gave me. I've handled every situation up until this point. This is how I'm going to handle my business moving forward. These are the tools that God has given me. He's taking care of me up until this point. This is how I'm going to handle my business moving forward. Under authority. Under authority. Under authority. I live under the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the resurrected king, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it once, he can do it again. Same God. Because he doesn't change. He never changes. There is no shadow of turning in him. He does not even like seek you out. He's like, I'm just the same. I'm the same. I'm faithful. I'm full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's the self-revelation of God in Exodus 34 that's carried forward all the way to John pronouncing Jesus as full of unfailing love and faithfulness was talking about these attributes that do not change, that the Son is the same as the Father. So if this is true, then I can trust him in every area. If this is true, then there are things in my life that are out of alignment that I need to bring into alignment so I can live under authority. What is that? Let's look. Romans 12. In the ESV, I'm not reading the ESV, I'm reading the NLT because it's God's chosen word, but it's not, it's my chosen. But in the ESV, it says uh, this subsection, and, and all those little headings that are in your Bible are not actually in the Bible, they're written by translators of the Bible. Just in case you're wondering, if you're like, wow, that like little header of this section, that just hits. That's because the interpreter did a good job. Uh, But that's not in the Bible. So at the beginning of, in the ESV, it says the marks of a true Christian. 
So what does a true Christian look like? Great question. Romans 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Which means I have to understand both what is wrong in the eyes of God and what is good. So I can hold tightly to it. it means I have to put myself under authority to his word. So if he says something is wrong, no matter how I feel about it, I live, in authority. I live under his authority. If I'm going to be under his authority, I have to live under his word. So he says it, I accept it. doesn't matter how I feel about it. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. This sounds like Kevin's message on hospitality. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Oh, man. You follow Jesus. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Work-life balance, what is that? We just follow Jesus. Anyways, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Be patient. Oh, 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 oh. It says that? Be patient in trouble? Yeah. I just say, why? <laughs> and then I'm like, why are you not here right now, God? He says, just be patient. Be patient in trouble. And then he gives us a roadmap. Keep on praying. You know what I think he's actually saying? Be patient in trouble and keep talking to me. Keep talking to me. Uh, I was in grade nine, and we went on a, I was in the Logos program, we went on a Christian retreat to Kelowna, to Green Bay Bible Camp, and we went on a hike of Knox Hill, a Knox Mountain, Knox Mountain, is it Knox Mountain in Kelowna? Is it a mountain or is it a hill? It's a mountain, right? Uh, it felt like a mountain. So we were, we were going on a hike, and because you're dumb when you're in grade nine, I decided that instead of following the path, I'm going to show off. And I'm going to run straight up the incline while everyone else, because you, you don't think. You just act when you're in grade nine. You're like, I am awesome. This is going to work perfectly. So I just run straight up the incline. Like, so we're walking. It's all going nicely. And I'm like, watch this. <laughs> I get three quarters of the way up this thing. And it's kind of like switchback trail. And I realize all of the, the ground beneath me is coming out of my feet. And I can't, I can't go any further, so I just fall on the ground. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, but trying to hold it together because you're in grade nine. So you can't be emotional, but I was emotional. I was nervous. I was afraid. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to just slip down the face of this mountain. I'm like, this is it. This is how it ends. God had so many good things for me. And I just betrayed him, just running up this incline. And I'm just crying because you're super awesome in grade nine and just freaking out because I'm thinking, and now I'm starting to slip. Like the gravel's like slipping out from my feet and I'm just, you know, like when all the rocks are falling and you're just like, oh man, okay. And my teacher's like, it's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. And he's like, just move your foot to the left, you know, because there's like a, a plant or whatever. It's going to make you stable. I'm like, okay, and he just keeps talking me through it. Now move a little bit to the right. And he's like talking, talking me down. And <laughs> he, I'm freaking, like I am losing my mind. I'm, I'm sure death is certain. And he just kept talking me down. And then I get to the bottom, 
And I realized that was not anywhere near as steep as I thought it was. <laughs> it got slippery. I got rattled. But here's the thing. He talked me through my own traumatic experience that I thought was way worse than it was. How many of us let Jesus talk us through our traumatic situation that we think is way worse than it actually is? Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are, and now this is a responsibility to us, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, I love this verse in verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Because how many know that you can be somebody's supernatural answer to prayer? That you see a need, you feel it. And you are the hand of God in that moment. I think just being saying, you know, we're here to help, I'm happy to help, is one of the most incredible things that any believer could do because you don't, you just see it, you observe it, you, you're open to it, you respond. And maybe it's a prompting, maybe it's you're just practical and you go, I think I can help. You have no idea what that person said or what they prayed or what they were hoping for, and you don't know what your help means. And you just think you're just like, oh, I can just do this, I can just fix this thing for you. What is so easy to you is a mountain to somebody else. And if God's people are ready to help in any situation or circumstance, then, then that is the hand of God providing provision, and it's a miracle to that person in that moment. Like, my dad works miracles in my life every day because he changed lights fixtures, and he fixes my furnace, and he just, he literally works miracles every day. Uh, like, we're at the point, I can't fix anything, we're at the point where my kids don't talk to me about it. Like, call Papa. That's, what, that's how we handle it in our house. But that's okay, he's a miracle worker, and God sent him every time. 14, this is now where it gets into the emotional realm, that's the physical realm, not really gets into the real practical emotional realm that's going to mess you up. And though there's way more to go, we'll probably land it here. This one messed me up pretty good. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. This is where it gets wild. Pray that God will bless them. Now, I can't tell you the circumstance and I can't tell you the situation, but I got myself into a scenario where there was some intense persecution towards myself. Uh, and... You do the right thing, you make hard decisions, and people get angry, and you have to deal with this. And I'm trying to figure out what to do, and I'm at early morning prayer at Glory Hills one morning. Uh, during COVID, we do these early morning prayer times, and I'm reading Romans 12, and I read this, and I'm like, oh, you did not just say that to me. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I like the King David. Like, I like to go back to, he's like, Lord, just wipe out my enemies off the face of this earth. Like, I like that prayer life. And then Paul goes, I, I don't think that's what spirit-led living looks like. I don't think you pray that he wipes them off the face. I think you pray that, that he blesses them. So I started praying by name that God would bless them. And I can tell you that within three months, the circumstances, situations, had entirely resolved. 
And if I even explained it to you, it would be, I, I can't, but it would be even more ridiculous and like fanciful. And like, I, there's no way. But he doesn't put it in the Bible because he thinks it's like a mild suggestion. He's like, I, I can tell you how to solve it. Part of that has to do with you. You can't pray God's blessing over somebody if you hate them. So he's dealing with you. You think it's about them, but it's just about you. You can't pray God's blessing on somebody if you're angry at them. You got to let go of that. You got to deal with that. You can't pray God's blessing over someone if you don't forgive them. So so much you think it's about them. It's about you. He's walking you through that. And then he goes, be happy with those who are happy. This is being present. And weep with those who weep. Just show up. Be all in and show up. These are the marks of a true believer. Like, we, we go like, man, being a true believer, just really following Jesus is really hard. No, he's like, just do some basic things. Show up, be present, love people, help people. Pray for them. Talk to me. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be, <laughs> I like this verse, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. If, if, if you... <laughs> If you are a person who struggles with hanging out with ordinary people, I think we know what the problem is. You. Um, <laughs> because we are all ordinary people. Uh, and if you think you know it all, again, the problem is you. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. You are honorable not because you're honorable, but because he is honorable and you're representing him. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. God's got it. And then verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, oh, this is hard. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will keep, okay, this is where it gets exciting. In doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. So the Lord gives you one thing. And this is, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Again, that passage was titled, Marks of a True Believer. So we start counting the cost of being a disciple. We see what being a disciple looks like. If you want to know how you can get here, I would suggest this. You cannot live Romans 12 without being filled and empowered daily by the Holy Spirit. Because if you were to look at this list and then jump over to Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, which are the fruits of the Spirit, you would realize that this is, this is just the manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit. Refining your character. So if you have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be under his authority in the smallest areas. Being under authority in the smallest areas gives us confidence in the large areas. We keep talking, we go to his word, and we allow his presence and his spirit to transform us from the inside out. Thanks for listening to the Saints Church Highlands podcast. If you are looking to get connected, head to saintschurch.ca. And if you are in the Edmonton area, join us for a service next Sunday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there.